Good morning. Welcome to God's story. We have been trekking through the Bible in eight sessions, working through the from Genesis to Revelation. It's been a great series. Today we're in session seven, so we're coming toward the end of the story, but it's only the beginning. <laughs> Amen. So, I want you to open with me to Titus chapter 2. We have this passage on the screen. Five T's, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and the book of Titus. I want to just read those few verses there and uh, highlight it for a moment. As we've been looking at, while you're getting there, Titus 2, we've been looking at God's story. We, um, we understand that four of our sessions are, are historical. It's the, um, God created all things good. Here comes the usurper and evil, right? Man sins in the beginning. So we have creation, sin. God begins unfolding promises specifically to the nation of Israel. We've been working through that to bring forth a Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the cross. And then Jesus gives the Holy Spirit as our helper. And so creation, sin, these are our eight words, creation, sin, promises, cross, Spirit as our helper. And last week we began looking at our last three sessions, six, seven, eight, which are prophecy. So we move from history to the present of the Holy Spirit now to future. We're looking at what we know as the last days, eschatology, the end of this age and the birthing of the age to come. This is why this session today about the return of Jesus is so beautiful to us. Because Jesus, His, His return is it's moving us from this age to the age to come. It's, it's, the, it's the transition. It's the transition in all of history of what Jesus is getting ready to do when He splits the sky. So we're going we're gonna to open that up. Let's look at Titus 2. Tyler and I were working through this. We, we, these are the words that, that really jumped out to us. And I, I want to, uh, this is a little bit of a challenge, but I want you to consider this, that really the, the Christian gospel in church history is built more around the cross and what Jesus did in His first coming, for sure. Okay? And that's good, that's right. But the Jewish gospel, out of the Old Testament, the Jewish gospel is built around the coming of Messiah. We know it as our second coming. Many of the Jews would see it as the, the coming, right? And so here's what we understand, that the gospel, the good news, is both the grace and hope. It's what Jesus did in His first coming, but it's what He's coming to do. And it's the hope that's placed before us. Look at it with me. Titus 2, 11. The grace of God has appeared. Jesus. 
Jesus, through the cross, has brought grace, right? Bringing salvation to all men. Instructing us in this age to, uh, to deny ungodliness and worldly desire sensible uh, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Thank God for His grace and the helper of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The work of the cross, the forgiveness of our sins, and this helper. Verse 13. Now notice the shift. Looking for the blessed hope, and look at this, and the appearing. So He appeared, but He's going to appear. The appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ coming in great glory, the great glory of the Father. So, our two words here, verse 11, verse 13, the good news of grace, what He has done, and the blessed hope of what He's coming to do. And today, we look into this seventh session on return. Let's pray. Father, we just ask for a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation that You would magnify, glorify Your Son in our midst. Father, I ask You that You would reveal Jesus. You would manifest Him in His return. I ask You to take the Scriptures with authority and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and You would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear. Father, we ask that the unfolding of Your Word, there will be light in our midst. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, Amen. So, as uh, I mentioned, we, we are now moving. Last week, we moved into the last days. There are three, uh, there's a threefold understanding of the last days. The end times, end of this age, eschatology, whatever name you give it, it's this. And here, they're orderly, and it's a pattern throughout the Bible. I could give you dozens of passages. There's trouble. This is the word we use, tribulation. But there's trouble that precedes the return of Jesus for Him to come and restore all things. Those are our last three words we're going to be, we're going to be looking at. I'm not going to pick up anything related to trouble. We dealt with that last week. You can find that on our website. Today we return to, we, we turn to His return. Now, when we talk about the return of Jesus, we're talking about, yes, the second coming, but also here is probably the most prominent word out of the Law and the Prophets is called the Day of the Lord. So the return of Jesus is the second coming in the sky, but it's the Day of the Lord. And we're going to look at this today, I think. If you've never heard what I'm teaching today, it's just thoroughly biblical, number one. But I think it's going to help open our eyes a bit that there's, there's a lot more than Jesus just coming in the skies and on the clouds. It's actually a three-phase procession. It's not going to be just this thing here. It's a three-phase procession. So follow me and let's watch what unfolds before us. Number one. He's going to come, Jesus is coming in the sky on the clouds with myriads of angels. We'll look at this. Number two, He's going to come up through the land of Israel. And He's bringing judgment to the surrounding nations of Israel. If this is a new idea to you, I just like, 
Reread the prophets. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is just what's going on. Number three, he makes his way to Mount Olives and to Jerusalem to war and battle Antichrist and his enemies. Or his Antichrist allies, but the enemies of Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to take a stab at this today. Oh my, you know, just our first piece is enough. And so I'm going to be just running through. If you want notes, maybe we can copy them onto the website with passages of scriptures because all we can do is we're going to scratch the surface a little bit. And I hope we smell Jesus. <laughs> Let's smell him. Now, remember last week, the thing I, as a key indicator that I gave to us last week, do you remember? If you were looking at a wooden frame, a picture, the wooden frame is the Middle East. The mat inside the wooden frame is Israel, the land of Israel, and the picture is actually Jerusalem. This is, is what's going on at the end of the age. We've globalized the end times, but it's specific to the Middle East, to Israel, to Jerusalem. Now, if you want more detail, go back and listen to Trouble last week, because I said it there. This morning, let's get to Matthew 24. Help us, Holy Spirit, and reveal Jesus. Amen. So Matthew 24, verse 3, the disciples asked Jesus, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus begins in verse 4 through 28. He gives them that last seven-year period of trouble that's coming. And then we turn now to our subject today, the return of Jesus. Verse 29. Matthew 24, 29. I'm going to read it and then make some comments here. But immediately after the tribulation of those days that he just talked about, that last seven-year period, specifically great tribulation in the last three and a half years, verse 21. There'll be great tribulation such as never occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall be. There is great tribulation coming to the city of Jerusalem specifically, called Jacob's Trouble, Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Back to verse 29 now. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds of the earth, uh, of, of the end of the sky to the other. Okay. So notice immediately after the tribulation, the trouble is the return of Jesus, the second coming day of the Lord. Let's pick it up 29. So, <clears throat> sun, moon, stars... They're going to be darkened. The sun, the moon, and the stars falling. They're going to be darkened. Here's why. Because Jesus is coming in great light and the glory of His Father with myriads of angels. 
He will be the one seen in that day. And God would even say, the illuminaries, the moon, the stars, the sky, the moon, the sun, the stars, they will dwindle, but Jesus will come to the forefront in the clouds and on, uh, in the sky and on the clouds. Now, he's quoting. Okay, and I, again, I don't know how to do this other than throw out passages because we, we don't have time to go to all of them. But he's quoting like Isaiah 13, Isaiah 24. Uh, we, we might just let's at least go to Isaiah 24. Oh, my Jesus. Okay, Isaiah 24. Notice that uh, the chapter is about the trouble coming to Israel. Just read its context, Isaiah 24. And then verse 21. Excuse me, verse 23. Then the moon will be abashed, the sun ashamed, and the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and His glory will be before His elders. And so this is uh, one of the primary passages, Isaiah 13, Isaiah 24, Joel 2, and this is actually the sixth seal, Revelation 6, 12-17. That the, it, it's, it's like when you see it in the prophets, you carry it into what Jesus says, what Paul says, what John says. It's all one reality. They're not talking about anything distinct. They're talking about one reality. That at the second coming in the sky, on the clouds, Jesus will manifest in great light and glory as He comes. All right. So you can, you can go back and look at some of those passages and study them out. I think it will be... Just beautiful, right? It's one thing that's listen to a preacher and a teacher, and we need instructors, but we need to go in and do our homework and study these things ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to bring illumination. Okay, back to Matthew 24. You can keep, keep your finger in Isaiah 24. We're going to go back again, okay? Look at the second phrase. Not only the sun, the moon, the stars, but then he says this. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, what, what do you do with that? Well, you, if you understand law and the prophets, Torah prophets, you understand what he's talking about. But it takes some time to dig this out. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Look back to Isaiah 24, verse 21. It will happen in that day, in the coming of the Son of Man, that the Lord will punish the host of heaven on high and the kings of earth on earth, and they will be gathered together like prisoners in, the du- in a dungeon, confined in prison, and after many days they will be punished. Here's the big idea. Again, it's this Psalm 82. This is Isaiah 24, Isaiah 34. Jesus, as He comes from the skies on the clouds, He is cleansing... The heavens, you've been reading Ephesians 6, 12 passages like that, that there are, there are, uh, there's warfare and evil and wickedness in the heavenly places. Jesus is going to cleanse those second heavens at the second coming. And he's going to deal with evil, rebellious, oppressive kings of the earth. So he's going to both deal with divine, heavenly beings and kings of the earth. He's going to deal with them in justice. This is, go- this is, go- this is part of our hope. For instance, when you think about 
girls, millions of girls in cages as sex slaves today. Jesus is going to deal with those oppressors. Now, we need to fight for justice in this age, but only Jesus will bring ultimate justice to the nations of the earth. He's going to cleanse the heavens and the earth of wickedness and evil and darkness. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. You ever been reading that Philippians 2? He'll be King of kings, Lord of lords, and every knee shall bow in heaven. Wicked leadership, rulership in the heavens, on earth and under the earth. Jesus, every knee will bow to King Jesus. Jesus will cleanse the heavens and the earth. There's a lot there. I'll leave that alone. Look back now. Matthew 24, verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Son of Man, Son of Man. You see this? He's coming in the sky and on the clouds, right? This is our blessed hope. This is Titus 2, 13. This Son of Man phrase, by the way, it's, it's uh, Daniel 7, 13 and 14. And when you understand that context, it just, wow, it lifts up. It, it, it opens it up to us even more. There's about five words in the New Testament for the appearing of Jesus. It's like five different Greek words. And they, uh, they mean the appearing, the revealing, the manifest Jesus coming. This is what's going on. Amen. Matthew 24, verse 31. I wish we could spend more time on each of these phrases, but we just can't. Okay, 31. Jesus, excuse me, God, um, God will send forth His angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together His elect from four winds in the sky to the other. He's quoting Deuteronomy 30, by the way. This is really more of a Jewish context. So, But there's inclusion here that Paul picks up, and we'll get there and look at it uh, in just a moment. But here's what's up. The angels are going to come, and there's going to be a great trumpet. Now, I want you to do this. This will be some great homework for any of you, okay? When you see this trumpet that he's speaking of, he's quoting Isaiah 27, 12, and 13. But this is the trumpet also in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, Revelation 11, the seventh trumpet. It's just it's a trumpet. And we divide it and say it's this. No, it's a trumpet at the return of Jesus. So that helps you take passages and understand, like, let's go to one for just a moment. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4. This just helps us keep 1 Thessalonians in its proper context and not try and build a, a pre-tribulation rapture. If that shocks some of you, I don't know what to say. I just there's one use of the word rapture in the New Testament is here in First Thessalonians four. It's the Greek word harpazo, raptura in Latin, and it's at the second coming. I, I'm just like there's nothing in the Torah, there's nothing in the prophets, and so why do we suddenly like pull out <laughs> anyway? I just want to say that and to challenge us a bit. Let's read the context. First Thessalonians four. Matter of fact, this is interesting. Paul spent three Sabbaths in Thessalonica and they gave him the most critical uh, attention of eschatology or end times of any of the other churches. He only spent three weeks there. 
And then, bam, 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 1st, 2nd Thessalonians. It's just full of eschatology. At the end of each of the five chapters, 1st Thessalonians 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, is the second coming, second coming, second coming, second coming. Second coming. All right. So here's this one, 1st Thessalonians 4, 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that they may not grieve as do the rest of you who have no hope. They were concerned that they had been left. The day of the Lord had already come. And so, verse 14, If we believe that Jesus died, rose again, so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. And, and this we say by the Word of the Lord, that we who are alive at the second coming and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not perceive those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, For the Lord Himself would descend from heaven with a shout. You know, Paul is simply pulling from Matthew 24. You see this, though. This is all that's going on. For the Lord Himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is the weight of the entire Scriptures, the resurrection of the dead. We have singled out this rapture theme and made it something God never intended for it to be. Because the only reason there is a rapture is that there are Christians, live, righteous believers on the earth at the resurrection, at the second coming, which is after the tribulation of those days. If you go in and dice this up any other way, I don't know what to say to you. This is the beauty of the Scriptures of what's going on, that... Verse 17, we who are alive and remain will be caught up. Harpazo, raptura. We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We'll always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus carries this thought over, excuse me, Paul carries this thought over very clearly. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. What we just read, listen to what Paul, how Paul says it now. Now, we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the second coming, right, and our gathering together to Him. What is that gathering? It's the resurrection of the righteous dead and the rapture of the righteous living at that time of the second coming. Now, watch what Paul says next. He says, don't be quickly shaken from your composure, disturbed by spirit message or letter, that the day of the Lord has come. Verse 3, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it, the day of the Lord, will not come unless the apostasy comes first. The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, talking about Antichrist, verse 4. Who, him, Antichrist, opposes and exalts himself above so, uh, every so-called God or object of worship. He takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. But notice this, verse 8. That lawless one, Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. So there it is again, again, again. Jesus is coming after Antichrist does his work in Jerusalem and Israel, the Middle East, and here comes Jesus to deal with him. Jesus will slay him. And we, there are many passages that reveal this to us. 
So that subject is has thousands and thousands of books written about it, right? <laughs> and I'm just saying, I think there is the simplicity. Don't make it any more difficult than it is. I think that's... So in the clouds and in the sky on the clouds, sun, moon, stars, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Jesus is cleansing wicked, rebellious, oppressive leadership in the heavens and on the earth. Here comes the Son of Man with a great trumpet and the angels of God, and there'll be a resurrection of the righteous dead and a catching up of the righteous living. You know who's inside that resurrection? Adam, right? Noah, Abraham. You see what I'm saying? David and Grandma and Papa who've gone on to be with Jesus, right? Man, the resurrection of the dead is the thrust of the Scriptures. And then those who are on the earth at that time will be caught up at that time of the resurrection. Amen. All right, let's move to phase two. Jesus comes in the sky on the clouds. Now He comes up through the land. This is such a massive subject, and all I'm going to do is hit a few things, okay? This, it, it, I would just encourage you maybe to do a, a restudy through the prophets, and you just see this language everywhere. I might, maybe I'll just give a couple of, of tips that will be helpful. So, the second coming, of course, it's in the sky. The returns in the sky on the clouds, but then this coming up through the land is called the day of the Lord. It's filled with judgment language all through it. Jesus is judging the surrounding nations in, of Jerusalem, Israel. This is what He's doing. Keep in mind that those nations and those peoples are Muslim. And it ought to be, and it will be, the last thrust of the missions movement should be in the Middle East to prepare Muslims for this coming time of judgment, that they would even turn from Muhammad and Allah to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very severe. So this through the land is known as the desert prophecies, and it's also known as the wilderness traditions, according to the Jews. These are like, I mean, there's, so, there's dozens of passages in the Torah and in the prophets that talk about these desert prophecies, these wilderness traditions. It's actually understood in many different places as the second exodus. And so here's how it's going to unfold. Jesus is coming as a warrior. Reread Isaiah 42. When I'm quoting these passages, I encourage you to get to these and read them. Not now, necessarily. But Isaiah 42. Jesus is coming as a warrior. It said, as a man of war, and He's bringing justice to the nations of the earth when He returns. That's what He's doing. If you don't see and know this side of Jesus, then you don't know the biblical Jesus. If we only know Jesus as a, a God of grace and mercy and love, well, praise God, He's full of that. But He's also full of truth and justice, and He's bringing judgment to the nations, for real. Okay? So Jesus begins. Now, this is an incredible prophecy. Again, I hope you write these down and go back and listen, okay? But Isaiah 19 is a prophecy of Jesus coming on the clouds, riding on the clouds to Egypt. What? He's coming to Egypt. Okay? And then He's going to come up through Sinai, Deuteronomy 33. 
and he's coming to modern-day Jordan, which is Edom. Edom are the descendants of Esau, who comes against his brother Jacob in the time of his distress. Reread the prophecy of Obadiah, 21 verses. It's the conflict between these two nations. This is, this is the primary thing going on. So Jesus will make a second exodus. you know what he's doing? He's judging his enemies in the surrounding nations of Israel, but he's also he's regathering Jews who've been shattered and scattered into the surrounding nations of Israel during the time of Jacob's trouble the last three and a half years of tribulation. And Jesus is bringing them out of prison camps. You ever heard of He's setting captives free. He's setting the prisoners free. Isaiah 42, Isaiah 61. Do you know that's not a spiritual reality? It is a physical reality. Jesus is liberating Jews during this time of coming up through the land and they're gathering with Him because He's coming to Zion. He's coming to Jerusalem. And He's bringing the remnant with Him called the regathering of Jews and the restoration of Israel. This is all through the Bible. And I'm just giving kind of a... All right, let's go to, um, let's go to Isaiah 63. All right. I'm, I'm calming down. I'm getting there. Isaiah 63. This is one of the uh, most severe prophecies uh, concerning Jesus that just makes you, oh God, may, might even st- kind of turn your stomach a little bit like, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> so he, Jesus is making a trek up from Egypt up through Mount Sinai. There are many prophecies that talk about this throughout the Old Testament. And he's coming up through the land. He's coming with vengeance. He's coming like a flood in Noah's day, Matthew 24, Luke 17. He's coming like a thief. You ever seen the thief language? It's the day of the Lord. It's him taking something away. In the flood, he's taking people into judgment. That's what's going on. And Jesus, one of the, uh, this is used a number of times through the Bible, he's treading the wine press. You're like, what? Revelation 14, 19 and 20 says Jesus treads the wine press 200 mile radius of Jerusalem on a white horse and there's blood there's blood on the horse up to its bridle because Jesus is slain. so think about this Isaiah is seeing this from Isaiah 62 watchmen on the walls Isaiah is looking down south and he's seeing something coming up in Isaiah 63, verse 1. He's in Jerusalem. He's looking and he sees someone coming from the south. Modern day Jordan. It's the ancient place Edom. Look what happens, verse 1. Who is this coming from Edom? with garments of glowing colors from Basra, which was an ancient city there. This one who is majestic in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength, it is he who speaks righteousness, mighty to save. Verse 2. Why is your apparel red? Why are your robes red? And your garments like the one who treads the wine press. 
I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples there was no man with me. Of course, these myriads of angels are with him. He says, I trod them in my anger, trampled them in my wrath, and their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments, and I stained all my raiment. Verse 4, for the day of vengeance was in my heart, and the year of redemption has come. This is Jesus coming up through the land. Whew. It's vengeance, it's flood language, thief language, wine press. This is also, if you know your Bible in the book of Revelation, this is Revelation 16. You know the bowl, seven bowls of wrath? Those are being poured out at this time when Jesus is coming up through the land. This is, this is get to Revelation 19. We'll start putting a bow on this. Look at Revelation 19. You know, we see verse 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And who sat upon it? Notice this. He's beginning to quote Isaiah 34 and Isaiah 63. This is not Jesus, I don't believe, riding a white horse out of heaven. The heavens simply open, and John is seeing this, but it's actually Jesus coming up through the land on a white horse, and he is, I'm serious, okay? Y'all re- just forgive my language here, but he's kicking butts and taking names in a sense. Jesus is slaying his enemies who have, again, all through the Middle East, they put, you know why he's doing this? Oh, get to this real quick. Look at Joel chapter 2. Excuse me, Joel 3, just for a second. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Look at Joel 3, verse 2. Jesus says, I will gather all the nations. Now, the context is the surrounding nations over in the rest of the chapter. So, he's going to gather all the nations, bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat in the region of Jerusalem. And he says, then I will enter into judgment with them on behalf of my people, my inheritance, Israel. For they, listen, listen, here's why Jesus has a controversy with the surrounding nations of Israel. Here's why. He says, They have scattered my people, Israel, among the nations during that time of Jacob's trouble. They have divided up my land. You're going to hear this language over and over. Just keep your eyes on the news. Land, land, land is going to be the the premier issue in Israel and Palestine. This is going to be the big issue. And, and, of course... Antichrist will divide up that land, right? And then he says this, verse 3. They have cast lots for my people. They traded girls for harlots. These will be specifically Islamic nations. This is what they do even now. Like jihadism, they're giving girls and boys to do what? They exploit them with sexual acts. And it says that they sold a girl for wine that they may drink. And they took my treasuries, verse 4 and 5. And so there's this, Jesus has great vengeance in his heart. Because he's bringing an end. You know what he's going? It's it's Genesis 3.15. Jesus is the crushing one who's beginning to crush the nations who gave themselves over to the Antichrist and to Satan and the devil at the end. This is Jesus coming to bring vengeance. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. Okay, let me close with this. Look at Zechariah 14, and we'll put a bow on it. The final bow. I'm right on time, 11.35, okay. Zechariah chapter 14. 
So Jesus comes in the sky and on the clouds. Salvation. The resurrection and the time of the rapture, right? Then He comes up through the land, bringing judgment to His enemies, and He's setting Jews free from prison camps. He's releasing them from the desert regions, Isaiah 35. They've been hiding for three and a half years. And He's releasing them. And they're going to gather with Him. And there will be no more crying. And no more weeping. Right? In those days. Okay. Zechariah 14. Jesus comes in the sky, on the clouds, up through the land. To where? To the Mount of Olives. To Jerusalem. This is the third phase of the return of Jesus. Pick it up with me in verse 3. Zechariah 14, verse 3. Then the Lord, Yahweh... We know we're speaking of Messiah Jesus. will go forth and fight against those nations as when He fights on the day of battle. And in that day, His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. Watch this. And the Mount of Olives will split in its middle from the east to the west by a very large valley. So half the mountain will move to the north and half of the mountain will move to the south. And... It says you will flee. Jews will flee by that valley of the mountains. And uh, it says, And the Lord God will come with all His holy ones, the angels with Him, because they're coming to take Jerusalem. And He's coming to deal with the Antichrist at this point. So homework on this piece, the end of Ezekiel 38 and Ezekiel 39. And you see him doing battle with the Antichrist. It says Jesus will actually slay him from from neck to thigh. I don't know. Do you know the sword Jesus is carrying? It's in his mouth. He'll just speak like Genesis one one. <laughs> He'll just speak. It says that. Look over. Oh my! This is. Look at verse twelve. This will be uh, Zechariah fourteen twelve. This will be the plague which the Lord God will strike all the people who've gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongue will rot in their mouths. A lot of modern prophecy guys attribute this to nuclear warfare. Maybe so, but I think it's Jesus coming in fire, and He's speaking, and He's slaying His enemies. And it says, in that day, a great panic from the Lord will fall on them. They will seize one another by hands, and etc. Talking about the surrounding nations, Jesus coming to deal with His enemies. And then, set up Pilate for the restore next week. Satan will be thrown into the abyss. Revelation 20, verses 1-3, through 3, for a thousand years. And the heavens are cleansed, and the wicked kings of the earth with their oppression will cease. And for a thousand years there will be peace. And Jesus will reign and rule from Jerusalem. Tyler will pick up Restore next week. The return sets up the Restore. Let's pray together. Oh, we bless you this morning, Father. So much material here. 
But Father, we thank You for Jesus, our blessed hope. That Jesus, when You come, You will indeed bring salvation. You will bring judgment. You will regather Your people. You will put to cease wicked leadership. Jesus, we honor You that as You come to move us from this age to the age to come. Oh, Jesus, we bless You that You are our hope There's none like You. That You will bring an end to wickedness. You'll bring an end to evil. You'll bring an end to sin. You'll bring an end to the curse. You'll bring an end to darkness. Oh God, we thank You, Jesus, that You are our hope and we set our hope in You, Jesus. When You come, You will bring the change. Oh, we bless You this morning. We honor You. Father, I ask that you continue to open up our eyes to these matters concerning the return. And what you're doing. We bless you, God, for hope. Thank you, God, for hope. Lord, hope not in this age but hope that is coming. Hope that is coming. We declare this morning, Jesus, You are our blessed hope. And we await You eagerly. We're looking. We're longing. We're going to love the appearing of Jesus. We're going to love Your appearing, Jesus. You're coming to bring the change that we've longed for from Genesis 1 and 2. You're coming to bring restoration. Oh, we bless You, Jesus. We turn our eyes to You. We love You, Lord. We love You, Lord. 